If you like betting on golf But everyone that you back misses the cut Get some experts involved With all the stats and the tips and so much more Cause it's the golf betting system The golf betting system is the golf betting system Greetings and welcome to the Golf Betting System Podcast 220. This is our 2022 Open Championship Research Podcast. Paul Williams and Barry O'Hanrahan join me, Steve Bamford, to discuss the 150th Open Championship from St Andrews. Good morning, gents. Good morning, gentlemen. Morning, guys. Please subscribe to this podcast as you drive the popularity of the show. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. Please be gamble aware. You can visit begambleaware.org for more info. And of course, please bet responsibly. Visit our world famous golf betting system website with our in-depth betting previews. Paul's preview will be out on Monday for the Open. Tournament strokes gained analysis, tournament form stats. Form charts including combined course and current form. There's a fantastic majors form sheet which I use each and every year where you can basically see all results back to 2015, I think it is, Paul. Was it 2014? Uh, 2016 it is, yeah. 2016, there you go. I was wrong on both counts. (laughs) We've got PGA Tour predictive optimizers. We'll have an optimizer for the Open. And, of course, we've got... Features like this podcast, The Golf Betting Show, all completely free of charge with no paywall. We must be crazy at Golf Betting System. It's all free. Paul is at Golf Betting on Twitter. Barry is at A Good Talk Golf. I am at Bamford Golf. Look out for the Steve Bamford Golf YouTube channel where I present The Golf Betting Show every week. Of course, there will be an open championship video going out with me in my shirt and tie next Monday. And now we've got to the five-star reviews part of the show. Now, I've got a big announcement, boys. Drumroll. Right. We are going to choose five fresh five-star reviews, uh, two five-star reviews, rather, that come in from the listeners. The best two that come in over the next few days, I will read them out at the start of the Open Championship podcast, 221 next week Mm -hmm. that's our biggest show of the year so get your five star reviews in on apple Podcasts. make sure that you leave your name and where you are in the review and i will read that out as well so there you go two reviews fresh reviews get them written get them um, established on apple or itunes and you could be being read out are the start of next week's show. I've got one here, entitled Must Listen. Uh, A work colleague I used to chat about golf with recommended this podcast to me, and it is now a must-listen every week. Even as a keen golfer myself, I had no idea about agronomy and course fits before listening to this. I also feel this is good therapy knowing that there are others who suffer the same fate. That is from Joel C21, and he's in the UK. Thank you, Joel. Yeah, thanks, Joel. Yeah, we, we, we put ourselves through the same pain every week, don't we? Pretty, oh, God, yeah. Pretty much week in, week out. 
Watch it. I mean, I put up Chris Gutter up this week. He was favourite for the uh, Barbasol Championship. And then I read his interview on Wednesday. And he said, um, oh, I've only just arrived at the course. Uh, I'm a bit tired, but I'm hoping to be able to have a ride round the course before tomorrow. And my heart just sank. <laughs> and before you know it, he's three over par in the first nine when most people are shooting ten under par. Yeah, talking of ten under, isn't that Adam Svensson who you backed last week? Yeah, of course. I have put the mockers on him, though. I've just backed him at four to one to win, so he's done for. Well, that's that's, that's good news for me. So, I backed Goddard up, uh, but I also backed Svensson, who I stuck with. You? For there you week. go, then. So I think Svensson will Svensson will win now. I hope so because that will help my bank balance for firing off random bets next week. Mm, exactly. So when he does win. At least I've got a few quid on. Give I've also backed someone for the Open Championship this morning, which um, we'll come to. I could not resist a bet three six five boost this morning. Yeah. I bit. So we'll go into that in a bit more detail. Right, our um, patented research podcasts. We don't go through our selections because we don't really know them yet, especially at an Open Championship when. Clearly, Paul will want to know the best view on the weather that he can get as close to the time that we have to publish our tips as we can. But what we tend to do on these podcasts is just work through some research trends, just details around the course, what we're potentially seeing on the weather radar, and just just have a chat around you know how we're going to formulise or formulate our uh, our backs and tips for next week. So, Paul is in the chair for the Open Championship. He always is. So, you're not going to be hearing a lot from me this uh, on this particular research podcast. It's mainly going to be Paul. So, Paul, g- give us. Let, let's start with the core, shall we? Mm. Um, I'll give you some some basics to help out. This is what I took off the uh, Greenkeeper sheet that came out this week. The old course at St Andrews. It doesn't really need any introduction, does it? Um, the last three winners have been Tiger Woods, Tiger Woods, Louis Oosthuizen, and Zach Johnson in 2015. Course type. I've been a bit outlandish here. I've, I've categorised it as coastal and a Lynx golf course. It's a par 72, but it's a very strange format of a par 72. Two par threes, the 8th and the 11th. We've got two par fives, the fifth and the fourteenth. Uh, the fifth is called Hole Across, and the fourteenth is called Long. And then you have fourteen par fours. That is a, a very lopsided par seventy-two format. Yeah, although really most most par seventy-twos have the four par fives and the and the twelve par. Uh, it'd be ten par fours and four par threes, but. Seven thousand three hundred odd yards. Um, agronomy wise, just going to what Joel said. You know, a lot of people listen for the agronomy. <laughs> yep, <laughs> it's certainly in for the tips. Uh, fairways of fescue and bent grass. The rough that is a real mix. You're going to love this, chaps. Fescue, bent grass, and here's some here's some here's some grasses that I don't think I've ever mentioned ever on a podcast or on a preview. We've got sweet vernal grass and crested dog's tail. It's being quoted here 
on the ground, ground on the greenkeeper's uh, sheet as 1.65 inches in length, which is something we can discuss because that might be going against other things that we've sort of come across. The greens, they are a mix of four different grasses. Well, in fact, more than four, but they're categorised as 50% fescue. So very similar greens to what we're seeing this week on the Scottish Open. Brown top bent grass makes up 25%. Poana 10 and other grasses 15%. Course scoring average for 2015, the last time they played the Open. 71.71, just a snidge under par across the field. And it ranked as the 24th most difficult golf course out of 52 on the PGA Tour that particular year. So I suppose the question to you two, and just to the podcast in general, they can't extend St Andrews in terms of yardage. So there's a lot of chit-chat around the fact that, you know, if there's no wind next week, this this could be you know potentially one of the lowest, if not the lowest, open championship score that uh, we've ever seen. Now, I had, a, I had a quick glance at this the other day. And I think I found Henrik Stenson at 20 under par when him and Mickelson had that crazy duel. Yep. And they were like 13 shots clear of the rest of the field, playing the most obscenely perfect golf that you could ever play on a Lynx golf course. Um, but, I mean, I, again, uh, it's winning score is pretty academic. What I want to get from you guys potentially today is, with the weather, and we'll, we can go into that, with what we're likely to see in terms of firmness of the golf course, wind, where do we potentially think that the winning score might eke out to? And just views from you two, just about the old course itself, what the challenges are, um, and what kind of skill sets we think are going to be really important next week. Yeah. Um, just to answer your winning score question first, and then I'll let Barry have a, have a go. Um Okay, the two factors on there. Well, there's a multitude of factors. If you look back historically, um, those recent four wins here at St Andrews that you discussed um, or you mentioned, Tiger won at 19 under back in 2000, 14 under back in 2005. Louis Oosterhausen won at 16 under in 2010. And Zach Johnson was 15 under, um, which was part of that three-man playoff back in 2015. I guess that that's quite consistent in terms of the winning score. Bear in mind, Tiger won by eight um, when he won back in 2000. He won by five in 2005. Louis won by seven back in 2010. And of course, as I mentioned, it was a playoff back in 2015. That kind of gives you a view as to where in average conditions that St Andrews is going to end up playing. And as you said, there's only a couple of par fives. There's a number of par fours that, for the longer hitters, wind um, direction allowing, of course, they can get very, very close or on the greens on a number of these par fours. So um, in good conditions, it's, uh, it's very scorable. Looking at the forecast... And it looks very similar to the kind of dilemma I had at the start of this week with the Scottish Open, where you're looking at a forecast which is pretty dry or completely dry potentially. Temperatures up to the low 20s, so you're talking 70 Fahrenheit there or thereabouts. 
drying during the course of the week because there's no no rain in the forecast and a wind forecast that kind of suggests 10 to 15 miles an hour maybe days that are getting a little bit more 15 to 20 um which kind of suggests again not too difficult but not not uh, not a walk in the park and with these coastal courses and i'm sure barry will have a view on this with coastal courses links courses in general um, any wind forecast can be accentuated quite dramatically. Now, we saw this yesterday with the Scottish Open. So the forecast was kind of a 10, 15 mile an hour winds. Evening, uh, the, the morning round went out and um, averaged just over past 70.3 or something like that. In the afternoon, the wind picked up and it was nearly three and a half shots more difficult for the afternoon wave than it was for the, the morning yesterday. So if that doesn't equalise itself out today on Friday here when we're watching the Scottish Open, then those guys in the PM wave will have had a really bad draw. And uh, for the most part, most of those guys will be taken out of the tournament. But yes, you've got to look at it. And as you said, you alluded to a few minutes ago, um, we've also got to keep an eye on it as it gets closer to the day. So by the time we get to Sunday, Monday next week, we need to have as clear a view as possible as we can as to what the... Uh, what the wind's looking like and then can kind of get a view as to winning score difficulty and potentially players that that's going to match up to, I think. What about you, Barry? What do you reckon? I think, it, I think it's really hard to kind of... Um, it's, been, it's been a good few years since we were at St. Andrews and the times we see it are at the Dunhill Links at a very different time of year with very, very friendly pins. So figuring out the winning score at this stage is uh, potluck at best. And then even when it's like Tuesday or Wednesday next week, I mean, you're, yeah, maybe maybe we'll be able to figure out a range. But it, it feels like the teens are achievable, really, no matter how. I mean, you're, it doesn't look like the weather is going to go crazy. So it feels like the teens are definitely kind of where we'll, we we should see it land. Um that kind of helps a little bit in terms of who you're trying to pick. Um, you know, guys who can go make birdies rather than just par grinders. It's just, it's so hard. It's so hard to know how it's going to play, um, play out at this stage. But it'll be, you know, I've heard reports that it's been quite a, a, a wet, even though the weather's okay, it's been quite a wet lead up uh, early in the year. So that kind of makes me think, yeah, maybe the rough is going to be kind of juicy so uh, that's another one that you really have to avoid it's not going to be that thin and wispy rough that you can uh, yeah, you know, advance, from, yeah. the, advance the ball a bit better and you know thin and wispy can arguably be more fun because you can get a shooter coming out of that and the ball could just go forever um, mm. so yeah, it's, it's I'm kind of I'm kind of a bit lost at the moment if you can't tell already from where my rambling is going but I think um, here's, here's, go on. here's a quote from Lee Westwood. Yeah. I think this golf course needs a fair breeze blowing. Obviously, none of us like playing in rain, but I think you want a 15 to 20 mile an hour wind blowing on this golf course. Otherwise, the players just murder it, basically. Mm. <laughs> that's his, that's his uh, statement. And I think that's right. I think if you turned up to a um, a relatively soft and windless St Andrews and for four days I think you'd readily see the guys getting into the into the 20s under par and when they play the Dunhill Lynx um, and again 
if the conditions there are amenable, then that's easily the winning score. Um, and I know they play two of the rounds at different courses, but in terms of um, in terms of overall score for the four rounds put together, twenty under is is pretty commonplace. I think yeah. the, the the equation that comes out of this, um, and with often with the Open Championships, if you have scoreable conditions. Um, soft conditions and you have um, a winning score which is in the let's, let's say in the teens under par then that tends to bring a certain type of potentially younger player a more aggressive player to the fore when it's a bit tougher when the winds up when the conditions when the course is more tricky then that tends to bring different types of players into the mix and, and yeah. just to mm. articulate that I mean looking back um, over the you go back 10-15 years or so the single-digit winning scores. Um, Francesco Molinari won at Carnoustie at 8-under. Phil Mickelson-Muirfield back in 2013, that was 3-under par. Now, when El- uh, Ernie Els won, and he was in his 40s as well, wasn't he? Um, at Lytham, that was 7-under. Darren Clark, that was tough old conditions at um, uh, Royal St George's a Sandwich. That was 5-under. Uh, Stuart Sink, 2-under. We uh, Turnbury back in what, 2009, was it now? Um mm-hmm. Padre Carrington three three over at Birkdale, um, and then seven under the year before at Carnoustie. So all of those kind of single digit under par in the in the case of Harrington three over um, were all generally um, more, as we put it, experienced players. And I guess you've got that kind of dividing line between um, what we saw last year with a debutant in the shape of Colin Morikawa turning up and winning a golf tournament at uh, you know, again mid mid under par. Or mid uh, it's, uh, mid teen under par, winning score, um, or it being more relevant for a um, an experienced and uh, kind of wily old fox to come through and win a win a major instead. I think it is relevant. I think it's it's a relevant conversation to have to to understand where the where the winning score is going to be and the difficulty of the course. I think firmness. It's going, a lot of this is going to boil down to firmness, isn't it? Mm. I mean, I heard I heard um, some chat on Twitter a couple of weeks ago saying that they were trying to get they're going to try and get it to firm up and brown up as much as they can. Well, looking at the forecast, I can see that happening because there's no rain that I can see in the forecast between now and the end of the tournament, and mm-hmm. it doesn't take long for a course like St Andrews to get firm and fast. It, you know, they, they they're built for the conditions; they're built to drain very very quickly, um, and. You know, notwithstanding what Barry said that earlier in the year there were there was some wet weather up there, which um, is it, pretty much par for the course. Um, you know, as, as it's dried out and as we've got well, we've got a heat wave coming in the south of uh, south of England or south of UK um, over the next few days, and, and on the east side it should be quite pleasant, warm and and sunny. So yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see that uh, starting to get a bit brown, firm, fast, and that will add its own complexity and. Demands its own kind of um, style of game, I guess. I think it'll be. It feels like it could be the best defense that you know that the course could have in terms. Yeah. Of, with the lack of rain between now and next week, reasonable temperatures, and you know, there's a good, there's a bit of wind, enough wind there. They can start to brown it out and and really let it get running fast. And you've got that paired with some juicy rough it's probably mm. as uh this defenses are probably as high as they could be without going to the absurd uh you know making the fairways 
22 yards wide. Yep. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm I'm excited to see it. Uh, fearful that it will, you know, get just like, absolutely taken apart if the wind lays down. But at the same time, like the 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 winning score doesn't really matter so long as the tournament plays out in an exciting way. Yeah. You know, like the the Stenson Mickelson one is is that any worse than one of the ones that like say Harrington won a plus three just because the the to- the difference is you know twenty nearly twenty shots between the finishing scores like it just doesn't matter no 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 and that- it's more it's I don't I, for me it's not I'm not I'm not it doesn't worry me in terms of entertainment and viewing it's more to me it's trying to shape what kind of golfer we need mm-hmm. is it a grinder is it a, a free birdie maker. Is it someone that can cope? I, I do think firmer conditions will will allow the shorter, straighter guys to become a factor. That tends to happen on Lynx Golf that's rolling with tee shots rolling out 60, 70, 80 yards. All of a sudden, distance off the tee, you know, on a golf course that many have claimed is a complete and utter bomber's golf course in Andrews. I think the firmer those fairways get, the more chance that it means that medium to short hitters can actually get involved. Yeah, the, the oh, no, more absolutely. open it becomes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Zach Johnson's a, a case in point there from t- 2015. Hey, d- just to pick out a couple of other um, sound bites from the um, from the quotes that you've included in, and if you haven't checked out Steve's pre-event preview and um, and trends piece. Um, I'm sure we'll link to it from this podcast, but there's lots of yeah. really good quotes in there from uh, from recent St Andrews events. Um, Danny Willett uh, mentions in that that he thinks it suits a fader, um, so that may be something to to really take a look at. Graham McDowell talks about how um, a lot of the bunkers now are out of play um, due to the players hitting the ball longer off the tee. So yeah. in total, there's what 112, I think it was, bunkers in the course. Um, mm-hmm. If you're taking a number of those out, and they're, they're they're proper traps, they're proper penalties. So you know, if you find a bunker off the um, off the fairway, is it half a shot penalties? But I guess over the course of four rounds, it probably is. And if you can take those out of play by being longer, um, then that's an advantage. Um, if it's firm and fast, then players are going to be able to hit it as long as they fire, as long as they like, really, because it's just going to run forever. But if you're landing it in the bunker zone um, and potentially finding the bunkers as opposed to flying them, then potentially that's where the difference lies. If you're short or shorter, then you've got to be accurate, I think. Um, that's probably the, 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 the long and short of it from where I'm looking at it, I think. This is, this is the best quote I found of any, and I went through hundreds. I have done. This is from Tiger Woods. The old course requires placement you really don't you really have to place the ball correctly just because it's wide off the tee doesn't mean you can blow it all over the place you're also going to have some real long putts here no matter how you hit it and you just have to get down in two so many times you can have three putts here you can go around here and it's 18 greens and shoot a number a high number because you're just so far away from the hole. And if the wind blows, hitting a wedge, a wedge 30, 40, 50 feet happens a lot. Mm. The two years that I've played here, or played well here, I've lagged, putt, putted beautifully, beautifully, and I've also hit the ball in the right spots. 
So three putt avoidance on these massive shared greens, I think, again, is another critical aspect. Yeah, uh-huh. it's it's a really good point because they, they they are huge, um, and if you you know if you land on the wrong side, so your proximity has got to be good. Um, if you're then leaving yourself 40, 50, 60 feet um, in what mm-hmm. will be dry, you know, dry or drying conditions, these greens could get quite f- quite firm and, f- and fiery. And yeah, if you're if you're three putting um, and that's how you're making your bogeys, then uh, you're going to take yourself out of the golf tournament. I think. Question for you, just a question for you two, and I, I've tried to get my head around it. Why? Does there seem to be such a huge link between St Andrews, the old course, and Augusta National when you just look at the winners and people that have contended here? Mm. Well, Any views on that, Barry? I mean, you're, Barry, you're, you're, you understand a bit of course architecture and what's needed for certain courses. <laughs> there is, is, you know, you just cannot argue. Zach Johnson, Louis, Tiger Woods. Uh, just going back to that 2015 um, playoff, you had Mark Leishman who's gone very close at Augusta. You also had Louis in that as well. Um, Rory ripped it up. You know, there's, there's, I know they were all class golfers, mm. but there definitely seems to be some kind of Augusta National link and feel to it. I mean, if, you, if you just grab the couple of points we were making there about, uh, and Tiger made there about placement of the ball. So we know that in Augusta, you place the ball in the right position on the fairways, you get to go after some pins. Um, we also know year on year we're always looking at three-putt avoidance in Augusta because the greens are, they pose a, quite a challenge to avoid three-putts. Um, the Augusta, St. Andrew's greens do that, but in a different way because of the sheer size of them, you can end up with some very lengthy birdie chances that are you're, you're just hoping to two-putt and make your par rather than actually make a birdie chance. So there's a, there's a couple of, I mean... It's it's a it's a really hard one to to um, analogise well, the two. Not the, Augusta's not the tightest off the tee either, is it? And especially with the pine straw, mm. so it's a kind of recovery shot course. Yeah, it isn't a claustrophobic golf course, is it? Augusta National. No, no. It, given that it's tree line, no. And as, yeah, as, yeah, aesthetically, yeah. you know, the, the chalk and cheese, but perhaps mm. in the style, but it's quite of, wide, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, perhaps in the style of style of play. Um, just to pick up that point, um, and if you haven't read Dave Tyndall's trends piece um, on Twitter, then check check Dave Dave Tyndall out on Twitter and uh, search through his tweets because he always does an excellent trends piece before each of the majors, and he picks this point out as well, the Augusta one. And uh, to quote him, nine of the last ten St Andrews winners had a top three finish at Augusta National. Um, top three? Yeah, wow. with Louis Oosthuizen being the odd one out um, at the time. Um, the rest of them, yeah, nine of the last ten had a top three at Augusta prior to victory. So, so yeah, it, it seems a pretty, pretty robust stat to look at. I'm getting more and more excited about my uh, bet that I had this morning. <laughs> Um, another thing to pick up and I know you mentioned some of the stats that we've got on the site Steve um, you mentioned the Dunhill links um, we've clearly got the well years and years worth of um, stats from the Dunhill links um, from the DP World Tour so on the site there's also a page a stats page that details all of the players who've played in the Dunhill links over the years who are playing this week um, at the Open Championship 
So you can check out those who have a positive or a negative uh, record at the uh, Dunhill links over the years. Of course, two of the court, two of the four rounds are played at St Andrews. So that may give you an idea. Just to get just to give you a flavour of some of the players that have got a strong record who are in the field this week. Uh, Tyrrell Hatton, two wins at St Andrews, or two wins at the Dunhill Links, two runner-up finishes also. Tommy Fleetwood, twice a runner-up, three further top five finishes as well. Um, your boys, your 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 favourite golfers, Tony Finau, two top tens from two starts. It's um Oh yeah. It's uh, the Dunhill Links. T10 Tony yep. when he turns up at uh, St Andrews. Mm, <laughs> does like it around him. He does, yeah. Uh, Brooks Kepka's got a, a ninth, a second, and a seventh from his last three starts in that event. Uh, other ones to pick out. Rory McIlroy, three runner-up finishes. Shane Lowry, third, fourth, and sixth at the Dunhill Links over the years. So maybe a sheet that you want to look at. Now, whether that's relevant or not, Remains to be seen because if you look at Tiger, he hasn't played the event ever. So in terms of his history, there's nothing there to see. And um, likewise with Zach Johnson, if you look at Louis Oosthuizen, his best finish was it was in the forties from uh, I think it was from six starts. So had you have looked purely at the Dunhill Links prior to even Louis Oosthuizen's um, win, you wouldn't have got many clues for it. But that's not to say that won't be a factor this time. And it's not to say that you shouldn't look at it and uh, form an opinion as to players that have played well around these parts in the past. So, yeah, check that out if you are interested in that angle as well. Should we go through some prices? Because we've actually... Um, one of the reasons we record this uh, on a Friday morning... Yep the week prior to the open is to basically get the podcast out there so that you guys can listen to it. But secondly, we actually get some real odds because the anti-post markets with some bookmakers getting switched off and some of the real markets are getting turned on. Now, Betfair, Sportsbook and Paddy Power, the nine o'clock this morning have gone to 12 places each way. So that's worthy of note. I am seeing Paddy pa- Padraig Harrington at forty to one with Paddy Power, and I'm in kind of white shock <laughs> mode. Paddy Harrington forty to one to win the Open. Yeah, I would. Mo- I would. I, I, I would check a non-Irish bookmaker if you were backing an Irish player for this. Just <laughs> even so, please. <laughs> I mean, on that basis, Shane Lowry is six to one with um, Paddy Power. <laughs> yeah, but- um, I'm going to take you through the Boyle Sports odds, though. They are already 11 places each way of 50 odds. And we know with Boyle Sports, we are a massive supporter of them on this podcast. They, um, across this year, last year, and 2020, uh, 2020, they gave away the most additional each way places of any bookmaker. They're 11 places each way, 50 odds with these prices. McElroy's the 9 to 1 favourite. Scotty Scheffler and John Rahm are 12 to 1. JT, Fitzpatrick, Shane Lowry, 16 to 1. So I expect that Lowry price with the UK based bookmakers will be slightly bigger when they come out. Xander is 18s. Then we've got Spieth. Defending champion Colin Morikawa, Will Zalatoris at 20 to 1. Cam Smith, 22s. Cantley at 25s. 
Matsuama, DJ at 28, then Brooks Kepka at 30s. It's 33 to 1 bar those. So that's the first look at some real prices for the 2022 Open. Yeah, and I expect we'll get more and more uh, potentially over the weekend, but certainly by Monday lunchtime we should have, yeah. we should have a full What have we been suite. seeing recently? I think we've been seeing Bet365 coming out. They still come out Monday, don't they? I think William Hill will switch. William Hill tend to switch. They tend to go to over the weekend, don't over they? Over the weekend, don't they? Yeah. There'll definitely be more. Mm. First thoughts on any of those prices? Anything they're grabbing you? Um, it's. I, I think it's always difficult until you've started to see the, the full blend of bookmaker prices because the, the guys that go qu- go quickly and go early so the paddies and the uh, the boil sports they tend to be the longest of places but then the prices tend to be compromised the most and i i tend personally i tend to try and find some kind of sweet spot between the um price and the the each way terms um mm. so yeah it, 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 it kind of it's still a waiting game for me i don't tend to be an anti-post player in these majors now because unless you've got someone who's very Obviously, playing well and their price is out of kilter at five or six places. It's it's often better to wait. Personally, I think. I've got some more trends here. Hmm. These ones should, um, yeah, I, they make me salivate. Morikawa forty to one when he won last year. Lowry seventy to one. It's not shouting Rory McIlroy, is it? <laughs> Francesco Molinari, 33-1. to 1. Jordan Spieth. This one's quite crazy, actually. He was the 16-1 to 1 favourite when he won in 2017. Must have been a very... Would that have been 2018? It must have been a very, very open year, mustn't it? A lot of players around that same kind of 16-18 mark. That's 2017, Spieth, yeah. 16 to 1 joint. I would have thought he's probably joint favourite with McElroy and a number of them. Now, this is this is a really, really fascinating angle just from what I'm seeing just on my sheet here. Morikawa was forming. 71st at the Scottish Open. No one considered him for an Open because he had this was his debut and you had to have Open Championship experience and top 10s to win an Open, apparently. Well, he blew that out of the water. 71st at the Scottish Open. I think he was like last for putting or something crazy. Fourth at the US Open. He'd also finished second at the Memorial. Shane Lowry. 34th Irish Open. 28th US Open. Second in Canada. Francesco Molinari. Second at the John Deere Classic. So he literally arrived off the charter flight when he arrived in the UK. Second at the John Deere Classic. First at TPC Potomac. 25th at the US Open. Second in Italy. First at Wentworth. That was his form and he was 33-1. to Jordan Spieth. First at the Travellers. 35th US Open. 13th Memorial. Second at Colonial. I don't know about you, but I'm seeing a lot of firsts and second places there in tournaments prior to winning the Open. Yeah, well, if you if you take the, the last five years in isolation, then every winner had a first or a second place in their um, last three starts. There so, you go. So, you know, it, as, as a very raw stat, then, um, yeah, first or second, last three starts, um, and bingo. 
if you extend wow. that out a bit, go back to Louis Oosthuizen's win, um, then everyone from Louis all the way up to Colin Morikawa had a top three finish in one of their last seven starts. So even expanding it out with the guys that have got a little, you know, not quite so obvious in your face form, um, there was still enough there to um, to pick out as a, a kind of form horse. Someone who's, oh, yeah, listen to Louis, his last six starts, miscut, miscut, 21st, 20th, miscut, miscut. Prior to that, he'd finished third, 44th, second and first. So you didn't have to go back a massive amount of time to find some really sparkling form in Louis Oosthuizen's uh, recent and season-long form line. Um, to pick a pick a stat out of your preview again, 15 of the last 21 Open champions had won a tournament already that season. That's a big proportion of players who have already put a put a win on their CV in the what the, the six seven months running up to the to the Open Championship that year. I've crunched the numbers actually on the field as it stands from the 153. I think I've got confirmed players. And 42 of them fulfil that criteria. 42 of them so far, and I'll list them in my preview on Monday, have a win of some description around the world in 2022 so far. So if you were to get as 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 brutal as cutting down the field to just those, then you could take nearly three quarters of the field out just in one fell swoop. <clears throat> well, it's taken it's taken away a lot of the losers that we back every week. T twos are gone straight away. Yeah, some of the names that will disappear when you do that. Uh, will Zalatoris, three times he's finished second, and there've been some big events, haven't they? But you know, Will's yeah. Will's not winning. Um, Colin Morikawa's finished yeah. second so far, best this year. Seamus Powers, the best finish this year, third. Dustin Johnson's best finish this year, fourth. There's a few names there that might otherwise be quite popular. Um, that if you go down to the, um, the extent of just taking players out on the back of that uh, that one stat, um, then yeah, they'll fall off your list, rightly or wrongly. Patrick Cantley, he falls off, doesn't he? I don't think he's won this year. There's, he's, yeah, he's knocked. A, he's knocked a few times. Yeah, there's, there's there's a lot of players. It depends if you start as that. You, you know, if that's your primary um, uh, cutting point. Um, yeah. The other point that picks out um, quite readily from your stats is this um, world ranking um, stat. So again, if you go back to that same time period. Um, 19 of the 21 winners of the Open Championship ranked 55th or better in the world when they won. The only outliers there, Darren Clark, particularly gnarly year, he was 111th in the world. Ben Curtis, um, and I guess if you'd have managed to pluck Ben Curtis out in 2003, he was 200th in the world. And um, yeah, good luck to you if that, that was the case. Everyone else, um, all the way up to Colin Morikawa, had ranked 55th or better in the world so yeah a sim- simple combination of taking all of the players outside of the top 55 and those who haven't won um, and suddenly you're down to a really quite manageable uh, shortlist I think again rightly or wrongly um, okay uh, the, the other point I mean, the one that we've made a few times on these preview pods and again one that I think we've got to it's got to pull up and we've got to discuss and again one that I've got to articulate on my preview because um, it's increasingly relevant is how players have performed in their very most recent major outing 
and um, the, the trend. And we, you know, we've talked about it ahead of the PGA Championship, the US Open, ahead of the Masters, and it continues. Matt Fitzpatrick had finished fifth at the US PGA Championship before winning the US Open last month, and that continues this trend that we've discussed. Um, that goes all the way back to... All year. Yeah. We've been mentioning this all year, yeah. It, it, it just goes way back further and further, doesn't it? So Matt Fitz, fifth previous major. Justin Thomas, eighth previous major. Scotty Scheffler, eighth previous major. Colin Morikawa, fourth. John Rahm, eighth. Lefty, outlier, if you call 21st his previous major, an outlier. Hideki Matsuyama, he finished 13th at his previous... Um, major championship. Dustin Johnson, sixth. Bryson, fourth. Morikawa, 35th. That's probably where it starts to fall down a little bit because that, was, um, that wasn't that was immediately prior. This is when we had the um, the COVID cancellation, so he hadn't played the, the chronologically previous major championship. Even so, his previous major finished 35th. Larry, 28th. Woodland, eighth. Brooks Kepka, second. Tiger Woods, second. Brooks Kepka 39th. You have to go, actually, to find someone who'd missed the cut on their previous major outing, you have to go all the way back to Justin Thomas. He'd missed the cut at the 2017 Open, Open Championship wow. before winning the US PGA Championship that year. Right then. Fitzpatrick first. Scheffler second with Zalatoris. Matsuama four. Not a lot of chat about Matsuama. Dangerous. Five, McElroy, Matt Morikawa. Seven was Keegan Bradley. Tenth was Gary Woodland. That's the US Open top ten. Mm. Top 12, Power and Ram. We then had T14, Buckley, Cantley, Leishman, Migliozzi, Sebastian Munoz, Zander, Adam Scott, and the guy that shot 10 under par yesterday, Cameron Tringali. Oh, it should have been obvious. That was the US Open top 14 finishers. Yeah. Oh, we should have all been on Tringali yesterday. What, first round leader? <laughs> yeah. yeah, oh, for sure. It was uh, it was staring us in the face. No, but I mean, the, the, the trend's there, isn't it? it? To flip that on its head, some of the players that missed the cut or, or further down the field, uh, Brooks Kepka, 55th. Tyrrell Hatton, um, played some nice golf for, for bits yesterday, 56th. Bryson, 56th. Shane Lowry missed the cut. Tommy Fleetwood missed the cut. Both of them got decent Dunhill Lynx records. So, yeah, the trends are there to be broken. We know that, and they get broken all the time. But this one, this previous major, um, and then performing and winning on the next major outing seems to be one that is... Um, uh, really quite consistent at the moment. I guess there's some logic to it, isn't there? You know, if you um, if you go into a major championship, you contend, potentially seriously contend for the first time in some of these cases. Uh, it gives you that little bit of belief that you can go ahead and go a step further next time. You you right the wrongs. You you manage your mental state potentially where it, it wasn't quite there the the, the major before. And um, next time out, everything goes right. Everything goes your way. You get the breaks at the right time, and um, you make the putts or make make the you know, make the shots at the right time. Matt Fitzpatrick is a prime example of that. Finished fifth the previous major, um, a bit disappointing because he was right in the mix. Um, and when presented with the next chance, he, he took it. Played the shots at the right time, made the putts at the right time, won the tournament. Mm. 
Um, just to complete the kind of the trendy part of that, um, or the the trends part of it, rather than trendy, I guess. Um, top ten at the Open Championship and players who have performed well at the Open Championship in the past. Now we've got Colin Morikawa last year, of course. He was um, a debutant. And if you go back to Louis Oosthuizen, he had a particularly poor Open Championship record. The nine winners in the meantime, the nine intervening winners, all of them had a top 10 finish at an Open Championship in the past. So, yeah, if you're looking at that purely from a numbers perspective, nine of the last 11 had a top 10 finish at an Open Championship. I don't think that's unreasonable to expect that on average players that have played um, and done well at an Open Championship in the past should be ones that, um, that, that tend to gravitate towards the top. Experience, particularly in tougher conditions, particularly if it's firm and fast. If it's soft, if there's no wind, any of these major championships, any course, I think you can get players that you may not expect or players that are debutants or players that are less experienced or younger players who can come along and win these win these tournaments. When there's some complexity in there, um, something that needs a little bit more um, guile, a little bit more experience, then those players who have positive records should be ones that um, to focus on, I guess. Mm. Um as you know, I tend to take all of these stats and chunk, uh, chunk them through a, um, a spreadsheet to see where it leaves me. So if I take the top 55, top 40, I've said in the previous major, so that's going all the way back to Brooks Koepka's um, kind of most outlying stat, a win this year and a previous top 10 in the Open Championship, that leaves me just six players for this uh, Open wow. Championship. Okay. Any guesses? Barry, have a guess. See if, you, see if you can pluck out one of the six. Um, <clears throat> oh, Paul, you're killing me here. Like, <laughs> you, You've woken him up. <laughs> yeah. Speed. He's, he's, still reco- he's still recovering from the McManus uh, Pro. <laughs> They're not particularly outlandish names, Barry. I'll, I'll, I'll give All right. That's, Jordan Speed, Rory McIlroy. Yep, both on the list. Both, but two, two of Zander's the def- Zander's definitely on Zander's the list. Zander's on the list. I'll, I'll put you out of your misery. So Rory, Zander, Spieth, the other three, Scotty Scheffler, John Rahm, and Hideki Matsuyama. They're the only six that fulfil that entire criteria if we're being as brutal as top 55 in the world, top 40 in the last major, a win this year, and a previous top 10 in an Open Championship. Is the winner in that list? I remember getting quite excited about the list at the US Open, and that didn't quite work out. So. <laughs> well, yeah, but Zalatoris came within the putt of at least a playoff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, he was close enough. Mm. I think Matsuyama was a bit of a forgotten man this uh, for this, you know. But yeah, he's four, I mean, he was fourth at the US Open. Yeah, PGA Championship sixtieth third at the Byron Nelson. And if you if we went through that form post event yeah yeah you go well it's bang on pretty much what we were getting from those other guys that have won. Fourth at the fourth at the major previous. Yeah. And there's also a third in there in his third from last appearance. Mm-hmm. I mean he's I know he's, he's had trouble with his neck hasn't he? 14th at the Masters, third at the Byron Nelson. PGA blew out. That's because I tipped him up. Fourth at the US Open. 
I mean, that's good form. And you're getting him at decent prices, up to 35 to 1. Yep. He finished sixth on his um, Open Championship debut back in 2013. So that would have been Muirfield. Uh, 18th here in 2015. Yeah, right. 18 here in 2015, which is basically it. Christ. He was very fresh, Matsu Armour, at that stage, yeah. wasn't he? Yeah, it was an interesting name to pop up on the on the list. But yeah, it fulfills the criteria. Hmm. I'm not so sure I like the... F- is he? He's playing this week, though, isn't he? He's playing Scotland, he, isn't he? He is, yeah. That's good. Because if he hadn't played any golf since um, US Open, I wouldn't have been overly happy with that. I, I think you need a... You need a competitive outing between the US Open and, and the Open. I'm trying to find him on the leaderboard. He's he's three over for the day. He started his round bogey, double bogey, but he's just had three birdies and four holes, so he's scrapping hard to make the cut. Yeah, again, I, he was one of the ones out in the afternoon yesterday. And, you know, realistically, these guys were shooting three, four, five over in the wind in the, in the afternoon yesterday. Mm-hmm. At that point, do you just down tools? And this this is the danger you always have on the events before an open or any major championship. If the guys find themselves in the in position, they may go ahead and try and win the golf tournament at the point at which it's clear they're not going to win. Then do you just go through the motions, give yourself a weekend off to go and acclimatise and, and fully prepare for the following week, which is which is the real prize. Mm. I expect you, you missed the cut from there. Yeah. Would, like I don't think a miscut this week would make me strike off a player from nah. backing them next week. Nah. Particularly no, no, if they, if, particularly if they had the yesterday afternoon, like even more so. So, yep. well, we'd have been we'd have been striking Colin Morikawa off last year, wouldn't we? Because he finished seventy first of so I think it was last of the people that made the cut at the Scottish Open. Uh-huh. He can't win. Mm, yep. Just laps it up at forties. Yeah. Yep. No. And this is it. You do get you do get these value prices winning. That's why I've backed Xander this morning. Bet three six five are hanging thirty three to one out there as a boost. And you're, I cannot believe that we're going to be able to get thirty three to one next week on Xander Schaeffler. Just cannot believe it. No, won the uh, won the JP McManus, didn't he? Won the Travellers. Yep. Has a second in an Open Championship. Mm-hmm. And has he, has he had a couple of runners up at Augusta National? Oh, he's, he's come close in all sorts of, um, of majors over the years. US Open records, incredible, wasn't it? It's um, he's he, yeah. If there's one player, and you know, you could say the same about a number of players, but if there's one player who you would expect at some point in the near future to to get over the line at an or a major championship, it's got to be Xander. Mm. I can I see mean, why you've gone there, Steve. If- just I always remember uh, backing Francesco Molinari for Carnoustie, and for some reason I have I, I'm drawn to looking at what went on in Carnoustie as analogous to the Open Championship coming up. I don't know the the firm and fast the you know mm-hmm. angle is just there in my head. Um, I know they're very different beasts altogether, but I always remember saying Francesco Molinari. He was so obvious that if I don't back him, I'll just be banging my head off. Uh, you know, right. we'll, we'll say the week after saying, well, of course he won. He was like hitting the ball the best out of everybody yep. coming into it. And hey, well, arguably Xander is, could be that guy. He's there. He, he's that man, isn't yeah. he? Right now, he's like the most blatantly obvious. Him and the other one um, I'm looking at, I'm probably 
try find the right mix of price and uh, places is Ryan Fox. He's just playing such great golf at the moment. Mm. Yeah, yeah. His his prices, you know, if you go back a couple of weeks, he was in the hundred and fifty even longer bracket for the for the open and what you're getting at eighties at the moment. And perhaps with the final markets, you might get a hundred to one with some expended extended places, particularly if he doesn't do a great deal this week in Scotland. But mm. yeah, it's uh, yeah, there's, there's there's lots to like. That Carnoustie Open <coughs> is the last one that I categorised as a firm Open Championship in terms of turf conditions. Mm-hmm. Molinari won. There was a huge tie for second. Kisner, McElroy, Rose, Xander. Xander and Kisner had led going into Sunday. Tiger Woods tucked away in tied sixth. As as was Jordan Spieth in the lead going into Sunday. He was. Sorry, I forgot Spieth. He, he, he went down eight places on Sunday. So, Finau, T9. Kucha, T9. Spieth, T9. Mm. So, there's that. that's a proven, firm Open Championship. Now, Barry, I know you've had a I know you've had a punt on one of those. I have smashed the exchange on Kisner at nearly whatever high two hundreds and grabbed him at one hundred and fifty to one twelve places this morning. It it could it could be he could be the new Gary Woodland. <laughs> he, could, he could eclipse that. I just I don't know like he, he, he he's so he's so spotty Kevin Kisner and we've always said yeah. if there's one major that Kisner can win mm-hmm. it would be an open and I get that feeling with Xander as well I think Xander to to kind of to win his first major it wouldn't it wouldn't be out of character for someone like Xander to win his first major at the Open Championship outside of the United States of America yeah it's got that kind of feel. You know, less 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 chit chat off the tee with the with the punters. It's it's more. It's a different kind of support over here. It's a different kind of attendance. A bit more low key. A lot more positivity. That I think that works for a Sander or a Kisner. You know, rather than all this mashed potato and uh, you suck and all this going on. <laughs> I think the fact that he got that Travelers Championship win. Um, Oh, you know, under the, under his belt, it was a it was a fully fledged normal, you know, four rounds with a cut competition um, without any adjusted scores or any 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 other complication to to say, you know, for all of the the naysayers who've been saying, well, you know, you can only win this, that, or the other. Um, it's done. It's it's the, the conversation's ended, and uh, he can push on from there. So yeah, I can see I can see the logic. So Barry's on Kevin Kisner at a very good price. I'm on Xander at thirty-three to one. I just, I just, I, I just think we won't be able to get a better price this side of the Open on Xander. So that's why I'm on. Bet three six five. Well worth looking at, chaps and ladies, if you're listening. In oh, terms the, of the boosts, yeah. the boosts and what they're what they're doing yeah. at the moment. And they they they, 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 they go they, I believe they boosted Fitzpatrick before the US Open as well. <laughs> yeah. 
The odds compiler there clearly took a view on Fitzpatrick, put a tempter out there, and a few people got on it. Yeah, it's a few buyers. Yeah, and I think mm. um, from what I've seen, the, the, the boosts are relatively short-lived and chop and change, and they may well change between territories as well. So to, yeah, yeah. do check to see what's been offered. But yeah, sometimes you can pick a nugget up every now and again. Mm. Anything more to add before we uh, close the podcast? I don't think. I think in terms of trends, that's that's it. And just to go back to your uh, to, to the original point, your trends piece is available on the site. So do have a read through if you want to go into any more detail of that. And uh, yeah, I'll I'll aim to have my final preview out mid afternoon on Monday with a fair wind. Um, Steve, you're covering off some some longer shots, which I guess will follow on not not too long after that. Yeah, I might leave my long shots till Tuesday because I just want to keep my eye on this forecast. Mm-hmm. And if there is any kind of draw imbalance that seems to be coming together at that point, yep, I'll see how it goes. If it looks like a fair draw, I might go Monday. If there seems something that might be slightly out of kilter and there could be a side of a draw that would have an advantage, I might leave it till Tuesday. But yes, long shots from me. Paul's got the main preview coming out on Monday. Our podcast will be out as ever next Tuesday morning. Yeah, it's the first round leaders on Wednesday. There's a full set of suites available already on the site. Um, and now that we've got some uh, extended places, there'll be some odds on those by the time you listen to this preview as well, or this podcast. Brilliant stuff. I appreciate your time, gentlemen. Yeah, good stuff. Speak again on Tuesday. Best of luck with your if you've got any runners and riders left in the uh, the current events, which mine are, <laughs> mine are dropping by the wayside rapidly. Yeah. If anybody has any angles they're looking at that we've missed or haven't discussed on this, like don't yeah, don't be afraid to mm. tweet us or or things you want us to talk about on Tuesday as well. Yeah. Absolutely. Excellent point. We're more than open to that. <laughs> <laughs> Right then, enjoy your weekends, chaps. I hope uh, the uh, I hope that um, the weekend goes well for you, and uh, we will be back next Tuesday for our Open Championship Tips podcast. I bid you a good day. If you like betting on golf, but everyone that you back misses the cut, get some experts involved. With all the stats and the tips and so much more Cause it's the golf betting system The golf betting system is the golf